Welcome to the More Beach Meetings podcast produced by Surf Office. I'm Carson Sweezy. The More Beach Meetings podcast gathers the leading voices of the future of work to discuss remote working, company culture, and team retreats with new episodes the first and third Wednesday of the month. Today's guest is Shane Perlman, CEO at Modern Trime Inc., a fully distributed design and development company. A few years ago, while on a company retreat, the owners looked at their vision and realized what they wanted out of the business required scale. Five years later, they've gone from 20 to 100 employees and continue to ask the question, how will this allow me to live well and do good work? All right. Welcome, Shane. Thanks for chatting with us today. Yeah, man. Thank you. So what led you and Modern Tribe to experiment with retreats? Well, we've been distributed since the foundation of our company. And um, so I started freelancing in 2001. This is back and I was distributed back in the day where nobody even understood what I was doing. They're like, what's that weird guy doing sitting in a coffee shop all day? And I ultimately had a mentor who kind of really pushed me to find space to focus on what was working in my business and what wasn't rather than just working on, you know, working within the business itself all day. And I found that unless I created space to do that, got away from things, I had a really hard time getting that perspective. And so for a lot of times, really early on from sort of an entrepreneurial perspective, retreats were an opportunity for me to work on the business instead of in the business and for my customers. Right. Yeah. And I love that distinction. You know, as I was mentioning, a lot of the guests we've had and a lot of the talk around retreats is on company culture and bringing people together that are on a remote teams. But from the strategy viewpoint, it can be super beneficial too. What have you found to be most different in meeting remotely as opposed to in an office or doing it all online when it comes to strategizing? To be fair, let me let me make some distinctions. So we're a small, medium-sized company. Over our journey, our retreats have been have gone from being two people to over a hundred. And so today we run different retreats. We have a grand meetup where lots of people meet. Those are predominantly focused on building trust, which is a hard thing to do when you're remote. You know, a lot of times when things get tough, you want people to assume the best, that people have your back. That, that there's a human being who cares on the other side. And that's something that doesn't happen remotely. We're sort of very chemical creatures in the way that we connect. And you need the opportunity to see people in person and be reminded that there's a good, caring human being there. That's what our big meetups are for. We have smaller meetups that kind of break into two parts, what I'll call vision and then strategy or tactical. And our approach for those are real different. Even our vision meetups vary a little bit, but a lot of times, a lot of the vision meetups start with like, is this still the company you want to own? At least for the entrepreneurs and partners, I'm, I'm approaching 20 years in this business. And so my needs and my life and the business ecosystem and all these things keep changing. And as I have kids and as we are different size, it's important to sort of keep asking like, is this still the right place with the right thing? Is the business giving you the life that you want? Are the problems interesting? Are you fulfilled? And if not, what are you going to do about it? And let's change it. As well as like, what are we going to do in this world? Like, what kind of business do we want? What kind of big problems are we solving? And so we, we have retreats that are very much focused on vision and self. And by self, I don't mean like self-health. I mean like the business being a vehicle. And that's the same with our leadership. Like we do the same with our directorship. And then a lot of times once we've got a clear vision and we really have a sense of where we want to go in the short and the medium term, we found we also needed 
I, I call them working retreats, honestly, where we sit down, we're like, okay, we really want to make a particular strategic improvement on the organization. Maybe we want to change the way we do project management. Maybe we want to reorg. Maybe we want to actually just tackle this new opportunity for a new product. And we can't seem to get that focus amongst all the noise of the day-to-day operations of the business and our customers. And so we'll create a place to go work on stuff. So, you know, we'll get a small team together. We'll go to a quiet place for a week and we'll sit down and we'll hammer on it, whether it's a leadership problem like a reorg or whether it's a new product. I love that too. And I want to get into some questions on that, but jumping back to sort of the vision, the visionary retreats, do you have a facilitator that's coming in and asking these more introspective questions or how do you keep introspection and and kind of remove the bias that can happen with groupthink and all that? We don't use a uh, moderator. We have experimented with it in the past and we've tended to find we spend most of the time just trying to get the moderator up to speed you know, they're missing years of shorthand. And while there is value sometimes in explaining that stuff, we found the one time we really tried it that like it wasted a day. And we just spent the whole day trying to explain them stuff we already knew. We do have patterns and process for it. Well, a lot of times it starts with just building a meaningful agenda. So to be real fair, when I say we go into vision, it's not like we go in and go like, okay, universe, rain down on us a new perspective. Usually A lot of those are driven by a fundamental set of questions that we start with. Now, I'm going to focus predominantly on our owner retreats, just as for an example. So we have three partners that own the business, and we start every retreat with the same set of patterns. And I mentioned it before, but we start with this question of essentially, hey, we are in control of what this business is and the outcomes that it generates for us personally. Is this still the business that you want? Like, and if not, what are the issues that you're running into and how do we change the business to accommodate for those? Is it still giving you, you know, is it meeting your definition of success? And then we run through each person's definition of success. So we, we have a model we picked up. I picked it out of a conference years and years and years ago where I heard a speaker say that, that he measured success based upon five things. He called them the five keys, the five Fs. And he essentially said a good life if you feel balanced and you like where you're at with your friendships, your family, your fitness, your finance, and your faith, and, and I'll explain faith in just a second. And then since then, Peter has actually added fun. My business partner, Peter, is like, look, I really want fun. So we go through those success for everybody. And we're like, hey, how are those going? And how is the business contributing to those in the right way or detracting from it? And then we spend a time talking about basically our individual relationship. And a lot of times that surfaces a lot of the things you want to talk about. From there, we then start talking about some of the outcomes we want out of the business on a medium to long term. So three to five years, 15 years. Are the plans we have in place going to generate the outcomes we're hoping? Is it keeping the right people? Do we have the right set of goals for ourselves? Like if our goal is to work with great people, are we doing the right things to have great people with us? So a lot of that is self-driven. Was it at one of these retreats that you sat down and decided that you wanted to eventually get out of the work you were doing previous and, and scale it to where you are now. Yeah. I know that's a little lacking context, but no, no, no. I, I can jump into that. So that that's exactly right. So we we uh we had a retreat in um where was it? It was south of San Francisco somewhere. We had a little beach house overlooking some surf. And we had this issue where up until about 2014, our team our team rotated between 20 to 30 people. 
and on an average would turn over about every four years. We'd turn over most of the company. And in part, that was because we were small and people were ambitious and they'd be like, well, I, I really want, you know, I, I really want a bigger opportunity. I want to pay a lot more. And we were a small company with limited size. And so people would, we were in one side, we were really excited to provide the platform and jumping ground for people to go into the next step of their career. But sometimes it sucked losing great people. And so we were sitting at this retreat and we're like, well, what would it take? What would it take to have this four more years with this same group of like 10 to 15 people we really wanted to keep? And we sat down and just hashed on that problem and talked to them and ultimately came out with Okay, well, they, they're in order to get another four to five years, we got told pretty clearly by people, I just need a career path. Show me a career path. And I'll, I'm delighted to do that. And we're like, well, what does that look like? They're like, well, I want my own team or I want to lead engineering or, you know, there were different variations of what that career path looked like. So we sat down, we said, okay, if we were to create a business structure that allowed those people to have that career path, what's that going to have to look like? You know, what kind of team number of people, what kind of management are we going to have in order to support those people? And then in addition to that, what kind of revenue is it going to take to pay for those people and still hit reasonable financial targets for us as partners to live off the business? So reverse engineering where you want to go, uh, which can be easier when it's at uh, the very beginning of something and, and sounds more difficult when you've uh, established a company and have clients and everything. So I'm sure the retreat was helpful for that. You mentioned something about faith and that you, you touch on it. Is that faith in the business or personal faith? Or what do you mean by that? So for a while, we, tr- we stumbled through. But ultimately, the way I define faith is that you have a clear vision for where you want to go in life. The world you see around you is aligned with that vision. In fact, most of the times when I find myself included, people are really struggling and they can't say why. Like a lot of times when I meet somebody and they're like, God, I'm just... I feel anxious or I feel unhappy and I can't put my finger on it, it usually boils down to a crisis of faith. Like you have a vision for your life and when you actually look at your life, you can't see how your current life is going to actually result in that vision or desire you have for what you want. So to me, that that's sort of what I talk about faith is a faith in the outcomes that you, the things you're doing are going to result in the life you want. Yeah. And that requires a ton of introspection. I've, I've read on some of your recent blog posts that you do more or less like personal development type introspective scenarios at these retreats. How did you bring that into the fold for the smaller meetups or the grand meetups when it's not just the owners? This was actually a real big experiment this year. So at the grand meetup, we dedicated a day to sort of conscious self-awareness and development. And I I don't mean, uh, and I don't mean to put any of this down, but I, I don't mean like meditation or anything. One of like Reed and I, Reed's my my other business partner, Reed and I are kind of obsessed with Kaizen and the idea of 1% improvements. That's the idea that most improvements aren't built on giant dramatic changes. They come from small conscious tweaks to daily habits that stack up on top of each other. And so as an org, we broke the day into a number of different parts. One was focusing on 1% changes for doing good work. And one was focused on 1% changes for living well. So what are some of the things that are happening in your life that if you were able to apply a small tweak to would result in a better life? And then same with how you execute on your work. We also created a space for focusing on inclusion and really talking about things like, like intrinsic bias. And how, and how to recognize it and what are some of the things we can do about it as an org and making sure that as a company, we have the right foundation 
for being diverse and setting people up for success. And so that was sort of like a, a group self-analysis where, where we tried a number of different things. We picked up a pattern that Google has available online on that topic. We watched a TED Talk that really talked about the danger of what we called the single story, essentially like trying to take a particular situation and only having one narrative around it. And the fact that most situations have lots of potential narratives. So just trying to get people to think. Do you think that that's a responsibility companies should have? Your uh, personal opinions on your business aside, but on a grand scheme of what companies should be doing for the future of work, do you think that's something allowing this introspective and personal development, is that something that all companies should advocate for? I have a hard time speaking for other companies, to be totally honest. I will say that depending on the type of company, the relationship with your staff, the productivity that you want out of people, and the culture that you're trying to maintain, creating spaces so that people can be introspective about whether or not the way that you talk about things as a company, the way that you work. Like, I mean, we have a mantra. This is this is like a it's a goal, and it's not uncommon for people to call us out. And so, so we have a goal at our company. It's pretty much the purpose our entire company ex- exists, and that's to live well and do good work. We don't have an external facing mission. Like a lot of companies are going to get out there. I'm sure if you're talking to remote companies, like you're going to talk to people from, you know, automatic in the WordPress world where they're trying to democratizing web publishing or they're, you know, Nike's trying to get, you know, I'm not sure their mission. So I probably shouldn't actually try to quote it. But a lot of these are sort of consumer facing. Our mission is entirely inward facing. We want to basically enable people to live well and do good work. Well, in order to do that, we have to constantly check in with ourselves as to whether or not the way that we work and the way that we approach things allow people to live well and do good work. And it's not uncommon for people to go, hey, I'm not living well right now. And part of what gets interesting is when you create spaces for that conversation to make sure that everybody remembers that that's a two-way commitment. Like, sure, we're going to do everything we can to set you up for you to live well, but you also have to make the effort and you have to put in the time and you have to find your own 1% changes. Like we, we just had a leadership debate just recently on one of our core values is flexibility. And one of my managers approached me and he's like, hey, I want to call bullshit. I don't feel like we're super flexible. And I was like, oh, okay, tell me more. Let's really think about this. And then I basically was like, well, let's do two things. First of all, let's make sure we both understand that word the same way. And this was, this was something that we were able to do remotely, but frankly, I would have loved to do it on a retreat in person. And so we, next time we will, um, but to get clear on verbiage so that we're actually using words to mean the same thing. And then I basically was like, Hey, I'm going to do something that you're going to find really annoying, but I'm going to screenshot every time I see a good instance where somebody on your team is taking advantage of flexibility, just to make sure you're aware, because I think the problem here is not that we don't enable flexibility as an organization, you as a human being are not particularly flexible and you don't take advantage of the opportunities the org has for you. And that we should work on that together. That's super impactful. It's almost like having a built-in coach just within the culture of the company, right? Like asking these tough questions that oftentimes aren't brought up in in an office environment or just like forgotten, but that's going to make a huge impact on on everything, right? Not just the bottom line and work output, personal happiness and all these things that are, you know, so important and more important than any monetary value. As pr- I don't know if we're approaching the end of time. As a wrapping thought, like if we're talking about retreats, there's one thing I miss. Like that I regret we had to let go that used to be a core part of our retreats. 
we used to bring families and kids and I loved that, man. I loved meeting because like when you're distributed, it's not like there's an office Christmas party or a barbecue or where you get to sort of meet people's families and get context. This was the only way we got to do it. And so we, you know, we'd bring families with us and they'd come. And when, you know, when you get to meet somebody's husband and their kids or their girlfriend and you're like, whoa, you make so much more sense now. You get this sort of depth of context about a human being that you entirely lacked before when you were remote or even in an office space if you've never had a chance to really spend time with them. But also it allowed us to build relationships with families that bought us so much goodwill. When there was like a big fire drill and people had to put in extra hours or if they were working really hard on something, if you know, when the family knew that the company had their partner's best interest at heart, we got so much goodwill from them. Instead of having the family there frustrated, they were like, well, we know these people. We know Shane. We know Kyle. Yeah, they're, they're trying hard. They're there. And it wasn't uncommon, too, for somebody from that family, like on a regular basis, three, four times a year, I'd get a message that's like, hey, Brandon just got a job offer from somewhere, but I like you guys a lot better than I like that other company. I like that he's remote and I like that he gets to work. So you should talk to him. And without that connection with family, we'd never get those insights and those opportunities to sort of stay tight with people in the same way. That's a great wrapping thought, Shane. I appreciate you taking the time again to chat with us. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. It was a pleasure. Our guests on the podcast bring up some amazing thoughts on remote culture. How do they keep remote culture from becoming stale and distant when the team isn't physically present day by day? Most, if not all of them, are leveraging in-person offsites. Get your employees out of the office and get ready for an experience that will give you a boost of team spirit. Head to thesurfoffice.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest conversations around the future of work. We'll be back with a brand new guest and some fresh ideas in a couple of weeks. Until soon.